Germans did not expect a one-legged woman to be a spy. This is a, a quote. She said, British secret services had drawn from a shallow gene pool of posh boys raised on imperial adventure stories. <laughs> Like every article I read about her kept saying that at one point she went to school wearing a bracelet made of live snakes. How many live snakes does it take to make a bracelet? You'd think one. Right. One very she... unhappy snake that was right. tied in a knot. Welcome to The Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. Ooh, Ooh, yeah, here we go. Ball. And who are you? Uh, I am Sam Eggers. Who are you? I'm Justin Xavier. Who am I? I'm Sarah. That's Gorski. a great question. <laughs> I'm Sarah Gorski. <laughs> Love it. Um, you guys, I'm really excited to talk to you about this incredible broad, Virginia Hall. Oh my God, you're doing Virginia. Hall. I'm doing you Virginia. Know who that is? Hall. I know who that is. Oh I yay! Wish I did. Okay, well, act surprised when you hear about things. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, the information I got on Virginia Hall is mainly from two sources, from Sonia Purnell, who wrote an article for Time Magazine, and she also wrote a book about her called A Woman of No Importance. Um, Except she was a woman of the most importance. Of a lot of importance. <laughs> and then also, Ooh. this is from uh, Morning Edition on NPR. Love it. Okay, let's just dive right in. I'm, I'm in. I'm for it. Diving in. Okay, so Virginia Hall was born in 1906. And she's born in a very wealthy Baltimore family. So like a lot of women at that time, she is raised to be a proper lady and she's expected to get married into people of her class. And, you know, her life is kind of set out for her. And she is having none of it. She wants adventure. She wants to hunt. She's very, very sort of against the path that's laid out for her. And like every article I read about her kept saying that at one point she went to school wearing a bracelet made of live snakes, which <laughs> I don't, seems to oh. me, seems unbelievable. I don't know, um, but whatever. It, it was mentioned everywhere. So I feel like I have to also include it. Um, I, feel like, I feel like you're gonna tell us she leaves Baltimore really fast, but if she had just stayed, she could have been on the wire. That would have been a lot of excitement. She's been really, really old. Yeah. <laughs> um, How many live snakes does it take to make a bracelet? You'd think one. Right. One very like, unhappy snake that was right. tied in a knot. Did she like tie them together like we did those like little flowers in the oh. grass and like can you know did you do I that hope in not. When you like tie them together and made little like crowns. And oh things. yeah, like little flower crowns. Didn't I you do I that, be, Justin? Did you do that? I don't remember that. How do you tie a snake though? Maybe they just bite each other's tails and then they're all connected. I guess. It quickly became a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. Um, so Virginia Hall, um, she decides that she wants to study in Paris. So this now she's okay. of college age. She goes to Paris to study. And while she's there, she falls in love with France. She loves it. And she decides that she wants to become a diplomat. She wants to become an ambassador. Mm. And so she applies multiple times to the State Department. But at this time, as you can imagine, this is a male-dominated field. What? Male-dominated <laughs> in the early 1900s? I, shocking. Unbelievable. You're, you're I'm, I'm shocked. shocked. Um, and so at this time that she applied, there were about 1,500 U.S. diplomats, and only six were women. Ugh. So she's really, really butting up against a lot. So, of course, she is not accepted. But they do give her a clerical position. She gets to be a secretary. Oh, a secretary. Um, exactly. At the U.S. consulate. That's what I've always wanted. Yeah. At the U.S. consulate in Turkey. So she goes. Mm. So it's still, you know, she still gets to travel. There's, mm. I'm sure there's still some adventure. Um, but I think she gets a little more adventure than she maybe wanted because one day she's out, she's hunt hunting birds, apparently, and Ooh. she accidentally shoots herself in the foot. 
which just uh, sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it's like oh, so we didn't have an audible reaction because our faces were making the yeah. <laughs> the shocked reaction. I was like picturing Ron Swanson's face too. I'm yeah, like, what would he do? <laughs> What would he do? I was just picturing that? the favorite because they did a lot of shooting. Oh those. yes, yeah. I love that movie. But that, that was movie. far earlier. Oh, such a good movie. Anyway, so she accidentally shoots herself in the foot, and she gets gangrene. Ugh, that's not good. So things get bad pretty fast, and she has to have her left egg, left left egg, left leg, excuse me, amputated below the knee. Yikes! So this is a long recovery process. Yeah. And, you know, they don't really have good prosthetics at the time. It's like the 1930s Yes, point? about. So oh she God. has to learn to use a wooden leg, which she decides to call Cuthbert. She names it I Cuthbert. I love that. Yeah. She names it. <laughs> She's fantastic. Like the first American female pirate. Yeah, <laughs> she is. <laughs> just, just Virginia and Cuthbert taking on the world together. So Amazing. World War II starts, and she decides she wants it on the action. She wants, she, you know, craves adventure. She wants to be involved. So she volunteers to drive an ambulance for the French. But she ends up being forced to leave France um, when France is overrun by the Nazis. So she goes to Britain. Now, on this journey to Britain, she has a chance meeting with a spy. I don't know how you have a chance meeting with a spy. I guess it happens. A chance. I bet she made it happen. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some good juicy backstory there. I bet she outspied there. the spy. I bet she, like, followed him around and was like, this is my chance. She's like, I've seen coffee. that guy. I'm going to buy him a coffee and get in on it. I saw that guy at the at the embassy that a bunch of times reporting to people, and now he's mm-hmm. pretending he's nobody, but I know who I he know. is. Well, and I tried to look a little more into it, and I couldn't get much more information on the spy, but I guess that's the point. It's a spy. But so this Fair. chance meeting with the spy, um, apparently the spy is impressed by her and sort of gets an instant instinct that she would be a great spy. So uh, the spy connects her to British intelligence. Okay, so at this time, uh, Winston Churchill had created the SOE, which is the Special Operations Executive. And um, this is the Secret Service at the time. Apparently, the people there, the top brass, as it were, weren't really big on hiring women, as we we know. This is a recurring theme So surprising. But it's been like 30 years. (laughs) It's, It's shocking. Um, and especially because she's, she's an American, remember? And she's one leg. And she she's one a one-legged leg. woman. So, um, they, and, and so they don't want to hire women. She's not even a British citizen. And apparently they had specific rules saying they wouldn't send women into enemy territory. Women couldn't possibly handle enemy territory. Oh they yeah. Can't they can't even handle themselves on their periods. They can't fathom <laughs> it. Exactly. Um, but this the SOE had existed for six months, and as of that time, they still were unable to infiltrate a single agent into France because so, so a bunch of dudes didn't know what they were doing. Exactly, and one of the things um, the author Sonia Purnell made a mention of in this article that I read, which I thought was really great, was she said that traditionally, this is a, a quote, she said British secret services had drawn from a shallow gene pool of posh boys raised on imperial adventure stories. <laughs> And that is I the just best. love that. <laughs> because you just imagine all of these guys were like from Eaton or like, oh, jolly oh. good. I'm gonna go, you know, share mm-hmm. those crowds or whatever. I'm very good at well, rich you know, and smoking privileged cigars. and amazing <laughs> at everything. Exactly. We have no flaws. And then the, just being the worst Secret Service agents on the planet. Like the worst spies in the world. <laughs> um, well, you know how guys think they're like really good at lying. The ground is dirty. <laughs> but, but they're yeah. not. 
But so anyway, so so at this point they say, okay, we're going to, you know, they recognize that she has a lot of skills. And so they do decide that she's going to be the agent that they put into France. Bam. And actually after she was in France for a year making incredible strides and really succeeding, they're like, oh, maybe we could use more women. So then they start hiring women and using them to do this. Oh, um, she was a trendsetter. Exactly. My, Trailblazer. Look at my that. My God, a woman could do it. <laughs> And no one suspects it. She's been telling people directly to their faces she's a spy, and they don't believe her. They just give her their secrets. It's like that far from the truth, actually. They they just think she's crazy. So they're like, no harm in confiding in you. Right. Um, But you're you're right. The sad thing is, it's not that far from the truth. It's not. So when they when they put when they station her in France at first, they have her pose as a reporter for the New York Post. So that's her cover story. And so while she's there. Um, they send her to the eastern French city of Lyon. Mm. And while she's there, uh, exactly what you said, Sarah, Germans did not expect a one-legged woman to be a spy. You know, they just <laughs> didn't. And so she's really able to to just hit the ground running. Well, <laughs> she just edit that out. out. She just that out. That's such a dick literally. thing to say. I didn't mean to. It all happened. She, she edit hit, that out. She hit the ground, sort of <laughs> hobbling. Oh, I am God. pretty sure she still could run, guys. It I'm sure she probably... could. I think she could. She well, probably had one of those high tech like robot legs that was like propelling her forward. I don't think so. I think it was just a I don't wooden think they stump. Had that because it was still like 1930. <laughs> I, I bet they had something. I don't know. I've seen Kingsman. But seen but she seems like she seems like a woman who worked it out. Well, she oh, yeah. did. So anyway, while she's in Lyon, she first she she convinces a bunch of nuns to let her stay at a convent. They help her out. Then yes. she's the great idea of befriending a madam of a brothel yes. and so that all of the French prostitutes start telling her all of the secrets that the German soldiers mm-hmm. came in and revealed in their little their little love mm-hmm. night. You want to you know, know who all the top brass of the military are who's left with us? Well, here we go. Exactly. That is so friggin' smart. Ugh. Brilliant. And so she's really making some headway and at this point the Germans realize that they are after, quote, a limping lady. <laughs> um, after how many years she, of her doing it? She, I think this is after about a year. They're like, okay, we know who we're after. And it gets really serious. They order some wanted posters of her that are posted everywhere. And apparently the poster says, quote, the enemy's most dangerous spy. We must find and destroy her. Also, the famous Nazi Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Lyon, is the one that's specifically after her. So he's this really horrible, horrible human who is, uh, his troops have committed many atrocities. And um, he's really, they know that she's the one they're looking for. So things, the end of 1942, things are, are getting really intense and the Nazis are closing in on her. And so she, she has to get out. And so she escapes to Spain, ready for this, by walking three days for 50 miles in heavy snow over the Pyrenees Mountains. She has a wooden leg. Excuse me, we call him Cuthbert? She, <laughs> exactly. She has My a goodness. male, she has some a male leg. <laughs> she, has, she has a chaperone. Right. Um, she, but, well, she's not going to get frostbite, so she's got an advantage. At, at least at on least some half in, of her in leg. One, le- one, on leg on one leg can't get frostbite. Um, well, so apparently in her mid-escape transmission that she sends to London reads... Quote, Cuthbert is being tiresome, but I can cope, end quote. And the duty officer who received it (laughs) didn't understand what she was talking about. So he suggested that she, quote, have him eliminated. (laughs) 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 So he wasn't quite on top of it. But so then so she gets to Spain. This incredible woman escapes with her life, you know, is probably exhausted and just who knows how she made it she gets to spain and they arrest her because she doesn't have an entrance stamp on her passport 
But after six Ugh. weeks, she's released. She gets back to Britain. And immediately she's like, I'm bored. I want to go back to France. And of course. the yeah. British are like, you can't go. That's not happening. It's too dangerous. Okay, so at this point, the Americans have created the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS. And that is their, um, this is like pre-CIA. So this yeah. is the intelligence service at the time. And so they have, at this point, the Americans have no presence in France. They need her. But everyone's looking for her. Remember, there's this wanted posters. They know she's an limping lady. She can't just show back up. So <laughs> this also seems a little absurd to me. Apparently. Does she switch it out with a snake? <laughs> <laughs> Now that would be amazing. <laughs> Just, you're obsessed with snakes now. Look, I, you're thinking about snakes had a all night. Bracelet of them. I don't <laughs> know what to make of that. So apparently, they hire a makeup artist to show her how to draw wrinkles on her face. Which I mean, we've all we've all seen. You know, like I, I just don't know that this would really really work that well. I don't know. It ba- maybe back then people probably were more impressed. probably had some impressed. great wigs. Yeah, we have good you know. wigs Also, and like, some people are some stupid. People are stupid. It's true. Like, it might. It might work. Well, and they also apparently hired a dentist to shave down her teeth because Ooh. they said her teeth were really nice. They were white. They were, like, really... It, she didn't look like she, she was... She was too beautiful. Oh, I have a picture of her. I'll show you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I could commit to that. <laughs> Yeah, she had them grind down her teeth so she would look more like, like a poor French milkmaid. Yeah. It was her decision, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she was, she okay was with like, it. I got to do it. I'm all in. Yeah. I'd Let's be like, go. I'll be a secretary again. <laughs> I'll keep my teeth. <laughs> Everyone wants to You're kill like, me. They already, my legs are already gone. Yeah. Um, Not my teeth. You want to take my teeth, too? Yeah. So she, this is her second tour in France. This is 1944, 1945. She's back in France. This is, and at the peak, her network included about 1,500 people. Holy that she was shit. operating. So they would call in airdrops for resistance fighters. Um, Amazing. A- apparently under her command, the resistance, they would put up misleading road signs that troops would go the wrong way and, quote, fall preferably over a precipice. <laughs> um, they apparently would put explosive horse dung on the roads. Oh, my God. Um, explosive horse dung? I'm learning <laughs> yes. so many things. Is that like a mind buried in horseshit? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clever. Wow. So, so IED, improvised explosive device? Yeah, just before they were before called they that. Before they were called yeah. that? They were just, just called it explosive dung back in the day. Exactly. So she's... She's incredibly important. She did, you know, risked her life. And at the end of the war, she goes back to America. And um, President Truman wants to honor her at this big public ceremony because she's done so much. And she says no. She says no because she, she says went, F you to Truman. She says no. She said <laughs> she's like I want to be undercover. So you can't blow no. my cover. So she turns it down. Incredible. Oh so what they God. do instead? Wow. I mean, that makes sense. She's living her best. Her life. career as a spy. Yeah, that's what she Truman, wants to do. Truman, what an idiot. Why did he think he could give her that <laughs> and not get her killed? Well, I mean. Because every man he ever offered it to was like, yes, please give me an award for being amazing. I'll take it. So she doesn't have the public ceremony at the White House, but the head of the OSF's, OSS um, that I was talking about earlier, they give her a Distinguished Service Cross for Extraordinary Heroism. And she's the only female civilian in World War II to receive that. Wow. So what they do is they do this little like private ceremony for that. Her mom attends, but that's the only outsider, outside of the intelligence community, that even, you know, that knows about this award for her or that attends. Um, and so then Virginia joins the CIA and she works there for, and the CIA is brand new at this point. She mm-hmm. joins, she works there for 15 years and apparently she kind of was not very happy there. 
it was, it was a desk job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on top an of that, woman. it was difficult for her to advance. There's a lot of chauvinism. You know, it's a masculine culture. She's a woman. So she's not totally thrilled with that. But she never speaks about any of this publicly. So mm-hmm. she retires in 1966, never mm. has said anything. Um, in the uh, morning edition of NPR, they uh, interviewed her granddaughter and mm. or a niece. I can't remember which right now. I think it was the niece. She remembers that when Virginia came back from the war, she's like, well, she looked awful. You know, her hair was like white. She was in really awful clothes. And she says she never spoke about it. So even to like her, a close family member, she wouldn't necessarily talk about it at all. Well, that's serious trauma. I oh, mean, yeah. I, she was in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Well, who she knows was in how the many people she was like directly responsible for their deaths? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Was that? I wonder Oof. if the butcher of Leon was still like looking for her too. Well, they say that. So in the end, so she dies in 1982. There isn't, you know, she never spoke about this, so we don't have. Unfortunately, can't really hear it from her. Mm. But what's interesting is that they have an exhibit on her at the CIA museum in Langley. But mm. this, it's off limits to the public because, you know, you can't just like wander into the CIA, unfortunately. What? Um, so they have an exhibit that no one can see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is so typical of our government. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, to be fair, we they did to honor try our bravest woman by putting a room in a building no one's allowed to go into. <laughs> Well, they did try to offer her, and she was like, "No, I don't want it." Truman was like, "Let's, you know, let's acknowledge your service," and she wasn't interested. So, so fair. even po- even posthumously, though, they just can't want. put her display anyway. Well, that she's getting me. she's maybe getting she, her due now, which is nice. Good. She's so, for example, some um, CA officers have said that the techniques she developed 80 years ago to build up the French resistance still inform the agency's missions today, including Operation Jawbreaker in Afghanistan before and after 9/11. Wow. So, damn. She's pretty. She's a pretty incredible lady, and did some pretty important work. And so it's great that even though she hasn't really been recognized beforehand, right now there's this book I told mentioned beforehand, yeah. A Woman of No Importance by Sonia Purnell. Another book called Hall of Mirrors by Craig uh, Grally, I think is how you pronounce it. And apparently there are also two movies in the work about her life. There should be. Yeah. So this whole story, be. I've been like, where's the movie? What a right? broad. Or even the Ugh. like. The fictionalized serial novels, just a series of random adventures that she goes on. Yes. You know? The Virginian and Cuthbert. Yeah. Out in oh, the world. Yes, what a great title. Right? Virginian and Cuthbert. Cuthbert. I just like, I keep picturing like this wood, this peg leg with like a mustache drawn on it. <laughs> like, I'm Cuthbert, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she got into lots of hijinks with that leg. She sounds like the person you want to be friends with. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It makes me sad that there aren't any um, like any public recordings of her talking about it, or she didn't like write her memoirs. Or she Sounds like or that wasn't like her that. style. I don't think so. What a bummer. But Virginia Hall, ladies Virginia and gentlemen. Virginia Hall, a broad that you now know about. Cool. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>